It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome to the latest on Australia's new government. We officially have a new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, sworn in to the nation's top job. As we go to air, Australia's 31st PM is in the air on his way to a meeting of the Quad leaders in Tokyo. Our political expert will have more on that shortly. We'll also have the latest developments in Canberra. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton will break down the reaction from the business community and we'll also hear tonight from a close friend of the Billa Wheeler family. But first, let's take a look at the current breakdown of seats in the 47th Parliament of Australia. Most have been called, but votes are still being counted on a number of tight races. As it stands, Labor hasn't yet secured a majority. The Albanese government is right now projected to have 75 seats. The coalition... 58. The seismic shift this election was, of course, the major rise of the crossbench. There are at least two Greens, but this will likely rise as more preferences are counted. Ten Teal independents have secured a seat in Parliament. Independent Di Lee also won a spot, while Bob Catter easily held his Queensland outback electorate. Straight to political reporter Jennifer Beshwadi at Parliament House. Jen, Anthony Albanese has his first big test on the international stage on his first day in office. Yeah, it usually takes a few weeks uh, before a new Prime Minister meets world leaders, Ange, but he says that this meeting was just too important. So he's headed uh, to Japan to meet with uh, world leaders uh, for the Quad meeting. It will be interesting to see how uh, Mr Albanese performs on the world stage, but he's often mentioned his uh, close personal relationship with the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Now, he is hoping that his leadership style will change the way that Australia is perceived uh, by uh, other countries, particularly when it comes to climate change. So expect that to be pretty high on the agenda. He also uh, mentioned national security. He says that he, he will work to repair the relationship with China. Here's what he had to say today. It's a government uh, that represents a change in terms of the way that we deal with the world on issues like climate change but also a continuity in the way that we have respect for democracy and the way that we value our friendships and long-term alliances. So he's in Japan with his newly appointed uh, Foreign Affairs Minister uh, Penny Wong after a rushed swearing-in ceremony here in Canberra today. Uh, also sworn in the uh, Deputy Prime Minister Richard Miles, who will also be Acting Prime Minister whilst Mr Albanese is overseas. Uh, also Katie Gallagher was sworn in as Attorney General and Finance Minister and Jim Chalmers as Treasurer. Ange. Now, Jen, the other big question, where do the Liberals go from here? Is Peter Dutton a sure thing to become the next party leader? 
Yeah, I think he is, and uh, it's all but certain that Peter Dutton will be the next uh, Liberal leader unopposed. I understand that he has the numbers and there will not be anyone challenging him. Even senior moderates I've spoken to tonight are backing him. There is still uh, some concerns with the left faction of the party about how Mr Dutton is perceived by the public, particularly when they uh, want to be seen as uh, socially progressive, but they believe that uh, Mr Dutton can be reasoned with. Um, the real battle is, for the leadership is for the deputy position. There are four women putting their hands up for that role. Susan Lee, Karen Andrews, Anne Rustin and Jane Hume. As for the man once touted to become the next Liberal leader, Josh Frydenberg, well, he officially conceded defeat for his seat of Kuyong in Melbourne today for the first time. Well, well, he's held that role for 12 years. Uh, he, the former treasurer, lost to a so-called uh, teal independent, Monique Ryan. He says that he's looking forward to spending more time with his family. And uh, as for Scott Morrison, Ange, uh, well, he's still coming to terms with the loss, but won't uh, request a front bench position. I'm told that he will remain on the back bench until such a time that he rethinks his future in the parliament. Ange. Okay, thanks so much, Jennifer Beshwadi. Let's bring in political scientist Professor Simon Jackman. Simon, firstly, your thoughts on how this election has played out. Do you think we're seeing the end of the traditional two-party system in Australia? Uh, another election like this one, and you'd probably say yes. Um, by the traditional two-party system, the, you know, the Liberal Party being the party of the centre-right since Bob Menzies in 1949, that got an almighty kick on, on Saturday night with so many of those Liberal heartland seats now gone. And where to from here is the Liberal Party, I think, is the single biggest question uh, we ask on the back of Saturday night. What sort of influence do you think those teal independents will have in Parliament? Look, it so much depends on whether Labor can form a majority in their own right. Um, if, if Labor cannot, then they're going to have immense bargaining power. Um, I think the challenge for the Teals, frankly, will be if they are not pivotal, and, and what will their role be? Is it, what will they support Labor on? How will they assert their independence? And those are some of the, I think, the questions I'm going to be keeping an eye on as, as these and you know, first-time politicians um, find their way uh, in the national parliament. This election really was sort of won in the West. Why do you think Labor polled so strongly there? Was it the Mark McGowan factor? Look, all roads point to that. That's the early working hypothesis um, that the federal government's support in kind at least, if not financial, of uh, Clive Palmer's court cases. And, um, that, that is the sticking point. The other data point I'd, I'd, I'd throw on the table, though, is that inflation is higher in WA, higher in Perth than any of the other capital cities. So that may have had a, a, a bit to do with it as well. OK, now you were the CEO of the US Study Centre for six years, so I want to get your take on some global issues. Prime Minister Albanese is about to make his debut on the world stage. How important is this quad meeting in Tokyo for him? Oh, the timing's amazing. Um, within 48 hours of the election, of polls closing, he's on his way, he's on a plane to Tokyo. He gets to meet Joe Biden, the President of the United States, the traditional first port of call for a lot of incoming Australian Prime Ministers, but also uh, Prime Minister Modi of India and, and uh, the Japanese government as well, who are hosting the event. 
these countries have become incredibly important partners of Australia. Japan, it's an alliance in all but name only at this point. Um, but the idea that in your first couple of days in office you get to do those other heads of government alongside your new foreign minister, that's a terrific fillip for this new government. And it's a terrifically important for Australia too, given how crowded the foreign affairs and security agenda is. Do you think Anthony Albanese will have a stronger relationship with Joe Biden than Scott Morrison did? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, Biden and Albanese will look across the table at one another and recognise birds of a similar feather. Um, Long-term machine politicians that have come up through the Social Democratic Party in their respective countries, um, they understand each other's politics, I think, a lot better. I, I think it was always a little bit of a struggle for Morrison and the Biden administration. I was in Washington when Morrison was there alongside uh, counterparts from the Trump administration, there was a lot of warmth between the vice president, Mike Pence, who was a, a much similar in style, uh, a person, you know, Pentecostal faith. There was a lot there binding Morrison to some of the key figures in the Trump administration. I think it was always a little bit hard with Biden, but not so, I think, for Albanese and Biden. I just want to stress though, that is the icing on the top of the cake in the Australia-US bilateral. The foundations are so strong, there's so much continuity across both sides of politics, no matter who's in office in Canberra or Washington, but that personal affinity is really important and will be a great um, additive factor, if you will, to the alliance at this really critical phase in Australia's national security challenges. Mm, bodes well. Okay, thanks so much, Simon Jackman. Thank you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Joining me in the studio is Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton. Gem, we heard a lot of promises during the election campaign. So let's have a look at some of the biggest economic pledges from Labor. Um, what can we expect to see from the Albanese government when it comes to the housing crisis? Yeah, well, unfortunately, the housing policies that were, were put forward by both sides, none of them really sought to address the housing crisis, uh, as you rightly put it. Uh, the signature scheme from Labor that uh, got all the headlines was their Help to Buy scheme, where uh, it's for 10,000 first home buyers available from the 1st of January next year. Uh, and the the government would take a 30 to 40% stake in a property that a first home buyer buys. And so that property owner would only need to put down a deposit 2% of the part of the property that they're buying, so a really small deposit. But again, it helps such a tiny fraction of people, uh, and that just drives up more demand. It doesn't really help supply. On the supply side, there is a $10 billion pledge to help social and affordable housing, creating 30,000 new properties. Uh, that's over five years. That's not particularly... Only looking at around 6,000 a year. So some policies in place, but uh, in terms of addressing the overall crisis, not, not moving the needle too much. No, and nothing really addressing the rental crisis that we've heard so nothing. much about. Uh, what about the care economy? Also facing major problems. We heard big commitments for aged care. Uh, what do you think we're going to see? Yeah, so more, more happening here. So on the aged care side, a lot of the recommendations um, from the, the Commission they're, they're looking to take on board. So saying they'll back the 25% wage increase request from aged care workers, looking at introducing minimum standards for food, uh, looking at 
having a compulsory registered nurse on site in every residential aged care facility 24-7 and then looking at um, making it mandatory to have 215 minutes on average of care. So a lot of changes there which would make a big difference to the sector. Childcare, again, they've pledged $5.4 billion uh, looking at uh, increasing the subsidies available for families with first children as well as multiple children. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at a situation where you'd have every household earning up to $530,000 getting some type of subsidy which is a lot more generous than now. But the biggest childcare um, change would be asking for a productivity commission review that would have the aim of introducing producing 90% subsidies for all families, which would uh, certainly help to address uh, the primary carers, often women who don't work the fourth or fifth day because it just doesn't make economic sense. Yeah, and they've been saying all along getting more women in the workforce is only going to be good for the economy. So what is the business community feeling about the Albanese government? Look, I think there was relief this morning. You saw that reflected in the share market when it opened, that there was a clear election result. It's not something that required days and days of, of vote counting to, to get somewhere. So business loves certainty and they've got that. And when it comes to certainty, uh, an end to the so-called climate wars is a big relief. There hasn't been a consistent energy policy for, for a long time. And that is really important to businesses. You think about how much energy so many businesses across so many industries use. Uh, the labour shortage is a huge factor again impacting businesses and industries across the board so looking at how do we get more people into the workforce how do we improve our immigration policies minimum wage will be a very tough one for the treasurer to tackle um, as soon as he, he he gets into office so a lot of big issues there and and interestingly a lot of businesses facing similar issues this time so when i spoke to people across all different sectors today uh, instead of having very specific niche wants a couple of the big ones like how do we get more skilled workers um, how do we um, have a consistent energy policy? We're all coming up again and again. Okay, thank you, Gemma. Thanks, Ange. The change of government has changed the fortunes of a family of Sri Lankan asylum seekers who burst into tears after hearing Labor had taken power. Mm -hmm. The Tamil family have been in detention since 2018 after being removed from their Biloela home because their visas expired. Newly elected Treasurer Jim Chalmers today revealing he wants to return the family to the central Queensland town as soon as possible. Joining me from Biloela is the family's friend Angela Fredericks. Angela, for years the country has watched this family's plight. How are they feeling tonight? Oh, it's it's like they can breathe again. You know, they've been holding their breath for four long years and today they actually finally can relax. They know that they're safe. They know that their girls are safe. And it's just, it's a really beautiful moment for them all. When do you think they'll be able to actually return to Queensland? So we, of course, have to wait until the Minister for Immigration is, is announced and sworn in. However, our hope is that they can be back in Billawilla for Tarnika's fifth birthday on the 12th of June. She has spent every birthday in detention. She continues to be in detention. And what an amazing gift for her to have a birthday in the park in Billawilla and finally be free and be home. And I understand that the town is sort of planning some sort of celebration? Absolutely. So we've actually got our Flourish Multicultural Festival that is on the same weekend as Tarnik's birthday. So we would love to have the family here to be part of, they're part of this community of a culture that just welcomes people from everywhere and we celebrate and we treasure that. 
that and that's what makes Villa Willa flourish. Mm. So it will be a very warm homecoming. Absolutely. And a little five-year-old who would no doubt be very happy to be the guest of honour. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. That is the latest on Australia's new government. Thank you for your company. I'm Angela Cox. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.